Hello and welcome to another special edition of Small Town Sports Talk. I'm Andrew Willett, and I'm very, very pleased to be joined by none other than the winningest coach in the Ohio State University. That's right, the Ohio State University men's basketball, Mr. Thad Mata. Coach, how are you doing? Is that my cue? Absolutely. All right, Andrew. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I love the title, Small Town, because uh, obviously I grew up in a, in a really, really small town. So I uh, appreciate what you're doing for the community. Sure thing. And first question we got to ask, we've been asking every guest we've had on. So how are you and how is your family? You know what? Uh, we're doing good. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because my oldest daughter is going to be a senior at Butler um, was studying abroad in, in uh, Sevilla, Spain this past semester. And my youngest daughter, who was going to be a sophomore butler, had gone over for spring break with a friend to see her. And and so, you know, we get the call that they're going to close down flights from Europe. And we were able to, to get them out and get them home. And, and my oldest daughter actually had the virus and, and was sick for 17 days. And... Um, you know, now she's immune, and, and which is a great thing. But, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, Andrew, we just did everything they told us to do um, and, and tried to follow all the protocols. And, and I finally needed a change of scenery, so I went to Florida for a month. But um, Very nice. other than that, we're, we're all good. I'm glad to hear it, and I'm really glad to hear that your daughter is immune now. And uh, you, yeah. so you've really had some firsthand experience with the virus. How has yeah. it affected your uh, day-to-day life? You know, being retired, I don't have a whole lot going on every day. Um, so, you know, just I, I think that the biggest thing that it, where it got me was just the ability to go do what you wanted to do. Um, you know, be it go out and get a cup of coffee or, or take my wife to dinner or, you know, meet, meet my buddies for a beer or something. And, you know, all that was, was taken away. And... Um, you know, you just, you, like I said, I, I just did whatever they told us to do. And, um, but, you know, hey, it's, it is what it is. And, and I, I swear, I think it'll be better, you know, once we get through all these, these difficult times. Sure. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's made a lot of little impacts. You mentioned you're retired. We'll get back to that. But uh, a lot of impacts on even, especially the sports world, as. We had no March Madness. The NBA playoffs uh, beginning July 31st. Still no baseball for a while. How, uh, what What have you missed? Well, I, I think probably like all, all people, just the ability to flip on the tube and, you know, watch, watch sports. Um, uh, you know, the just so, sometimes the competitive nature, you want to see something and, um, but, you know, I, I think this, there's, there's no doubt in my mind they did the right thing. You know, the, that basketball game in late February that was at uh, uh, Lawrence Central, um, five people died from the virus or at the game. And actually, I knew two of the of the five. And, and uh, wow. so and I think from that perspective, uh, without a doubt, all sports did did the right thing and as, as hard as it is um, because, they, you know, everybody loves their loves the game and, and wants to be playing it. For sure. And I, I'm sorry for your loss, Coach Mata. That's uh, that's tough. It just, you know, it's one of those deals, and it's funny. A, a friend of mine, he's a prep school coach out in Rhode Island. He had called me, I don't know, about a month ago, and he said, hey, you guys are uh, in the Midwest are getting screwed because, um, 
it's it's all on the east coast it's on the west coast you guys are fine i said well hmm. in all due respect my daughter had it and, and a couple of people i've known have passed away from it so uh, i'm gonna take this pretty serious absolutely yeah you've, you've had it firsthand coach yeah. uh i know i i'm a huge nba fan so I, i've missed basketball a lot uh, some of the things I've been watching uh, included The Last Dance. W- what have you been watching to just stay occupied? I'll be honest with you. I've never been a huge TV guy. So when I don't watch television, like when I used to coach, I, when I'd go in the hotel room, you know, for we'd be traveling for a game, but I'd never turn my TV on because I would become, I, I want to turn it off. I just like, and, and so the, that Netflix, I got into, like, I think in, this was earlier in the year, I watched Breaking Bad, 62 episodes in two weeks. I guess they call it binge-watching. Obviously, Ozarks and then uh, Outer Banks. And so I finished the Outer Banks, and and I want to go to the next one. And my daughter, I'm like, Allie, come in here. you got to get to the next series. And she goes, they they haven't made it yet. And I didn't even know that. But yeah, that's the, the Netflix deal. You know, we, my, my wife and I went through when the pandemic first hit, you know, we would watch a movie every night and, and all that stuff, but that got old after a while. So, um, <laughs> you know, it just, whatever, whatever turns me on is, is what I check out. Sure. Sure. And no last dance for you. you know, I did watch, I didn't see them all, but I, I did watch that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because, um, I forgot a lot of the stuff that went yeah. on, it was good to get caught back up with that and, and, and watching that. I'm glad. Yeah, that was uh, right about around when you started your uh, assistant coaching. It was funny. I was I was living in Coloween, North Carolina. I was an assistant at uh, Western Carolina. And my wife and I actually got married down there. And we were living in a faculty housing apartment. It had like a concrete floor. Um, I think we paid a hundred dollars a month rent for it. And, uh, we only got like maybe five channels and one of them was <laughs> WGN, which is what used to carry the bulls. So I got to see that year, every bulls game, just because it was like the only thing that was on the television it was infatuated with the triangle offense. And, uh, so I would sit and take notes as I was watching, the game and all that stuff so yeah I, I was that was in my prime that's some good stuff right there uh I, i'm gonna digress a little bit here uh because you mentioned and we are small town sports talk and so yeah like no not a better guest that we could have on especially because jonah and i both love basketball and you went to hoopston illinois where you played basketball for a team with the mascot, the Corn Jerkers. How did you make it from there all the way up to being the best coach in Ohio State men's basketball history? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, growing up in small town, I would, I would never change. Because um, I often joke with my daughters because they've lived in Indianapolis, uh, Cincinnati, Columbus, Ohio, and now back in Indianapolis. And I think the beauty of a small town is you, uh, your morals and values that you're taught uh, are probably a little bit different than, than growing up in an actual city. And um, but I, I knew that uh, you know when when I left Hooks and my dad was an athletic director and and went on to college and, and quite honestly I just wanted to be a high school basketball coach I wanted to be him. And um, uh, but I knew. Uh, I had to get the college education. When I got to college, I said, you know what? I, I kind of like the, the lifestyle that my coaches have. 
maybe I'll try to, you know, give the, the college route uh, a, a go and, and see what happens. But I, but I also knew if I ever screwed up in school that my dad would make me come home and I'd be working on a factory the rest of my life. And <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Sure. Well, and you mentioned your your dad was a high school basketball coach. He was yeah, he was athletic director. He, he coached every sport. He was the guy that that uh, you know football, basketball, baseball. I mean, he did he did everything. My dad, uh, he he's a coach at my high school. For he coaches freshman basketball. He's the varsity track coach. He used to coach cross country. He <laughs> mentioned that he went to. Miami of Ohio basketball camps in the 90s. Yeah. And he went to one. He said it was the year after you left. And he, he always comes back to me and mentions that Wally Zerbiak was just a monster in, right. in college. Uh, so th- that's actually pretty funny that my dad went to some of those camps where you were an assistant there for two years. Yeah. I, it, it's funny because I, I don't think schools have those camps anymore where you go in on a Sunday morning and stay till Friday afternoon. And I mean, it was just 24 hours a day of basketball. And, and uh, it was, it was fun as a, as when I used to go to camp and it was fun as a, uh, as a coach to, to be teaching for all that long. And uh, it is interesting. Your dad was there. How did you get into coaching? Who, who are some of your role models? Well, obviously Andrew, my father was, was, Probably my biggest role model, just because I, I grew up in a gym. I grew up on a baseball field and on a football field. I, I rode the bus. I was in winning locker rooms. I was in losing locker rooms, and you know, I just knew that it was something that um, you know. I, I, I laugh because I, I, I've always said I didn't go into coaching. Coaching went into me. Huh. And, you know, I just from the perspective of uh, it's it's really all I ever knew in in terms of uh, you know, when I when I got to Butler, I was an education major and, um, you know, knew that that I wanted to teach and ultimately be a coach. And um, um, but I, but I also think along the way, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to work for some some great, great people. And, um, you know, from from. Uh, Herb Sendek, uh, Miami, to uh, Phil Hopkins down at Western Carolina, to Charlie Coles back in Miami, and, and probably one of the, the, the biggest ones is Barry Carter, who's now the athletic director at Butler. Um, you know, what, what he did for my life in, in terms of I played for him my senior year and then worked for him for, you know, a couple of years and, and then followed him. He went to Nebraska and he got me the Butler head coaching job at a very young age. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Speaking of coaches that you've been under, Barry Collier, you played for him. What was it like to go from playing for him to being assistant for him to eventually taking over for him? Well, it, it was it was probably the greatest thing because you know I, I've always said this. You know, as, as I look at and, and I go to Butler, I have season tickets when I'm in town. I go and um, to to see where that program is today. Um, you know, he is is solely responsible for it. When when he came in, he was an assistant at Stanford. Barry actually went to Butler too, and um, got the head coaching job in 1989. And to to watch him as a player and then work for him as he had this vision for Butler basketball and and you know just seeing where it is today and and all the changes that have been made that was his plan in 1989 and you know now it's it's ironic he's the athletic director and, and doing a phenomenal job of, of overseeing everything I got to ask about a couple 
of individuals that you've worked with. One you coached was Laval Jordan, uh, who is now the Butler basketball head coach, as you mentioned uh, even today. Uh, what, what do you think about him and uh, Butler the last couple of years? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I, I think Laval has done a, a tremendous job um, in, in continuing running the Butler program the Butler way. And, um, you know, just, just watching his growth uh, over the last couple of years, you know, I, I think the job he did this year was as, as good as, as I've seen a guy do in, in college basketball. And, um, you know, obviously they had a, a tremendous run and, and uh, was, was probably primed to, to do pretty well in the NCAA tournament this year. And, you know, just so happy for Laval. I mean, you, you, you know, obviously stay in touch with so many former players that I've coached. And, and uh, you know, now to get back and, and, and see him capping the ship, uh, very, very exciting. Uh, another one I have to ask about, I don't know if uh, you – hired him as an assistant, or if it was the year after you went to Xavier. But Brad Stevens, I am a huge Celtics fan, Toch, and so I, I gotta ask, uh, what is Brad, Brad Stevens like? Oh, Brad is, is, I'm telling you this, man, he is simply the best, maybe the most humble human being I've, I've ever seen or met, I should say, and, and I did hire Brad back in 2000. Um, you know, he was working for Eli Lilly, and, and you just you had a feel about him. He was going to be special, um, and to, to see where he is today, um, you know, it's, it's funny because when they have All Star break, if he's not coaching, um, huh. he comes down to, to Florida, and, and we spend some time together last couple of years, and uh, it, you know, you're, you're sitting on the beach with he and his family, and people walk by and, and they don't even recognize him because he looks like he's, you know, 18 years old still. Absolutely. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I, I mean, just the, the job he's done. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of the best coaches uh, in the game of basketball. There's, there's no question about it. And, and uh, um, man, is, is he passionate about, about what he does? So you've been staying in touch with him. You've been staying in touch with Laval, Laval Jordan. Uh, and you mentioned just staying in touch with some of your former players. You've had a number of just phenomenal former players, NBA talent, just great college players, including David West, uh, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Evan Turner, Kostas Kufos, Jared Solinger, another Boston Celtic of mine. Um, so I'm not going to ask you who the best player was, but if you could just talk about a few of those guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Andrew, I could I could go on forever. I, I will <laughs> say this: the, the best player I ever coached was it, unequivocally Greg. O, you know, Greg was an anomaly to college basketball. Just in terms, there was nobody like him. And, you know, his his freshman season at Ohio State, people forget he played with one hand. He had a cast on his right hand, which he was right-handed. Hmm. I mean, he, he shot his free throws left-handed a majority of the season, and and you know he led us to the national championship game. Um, that's was, right. Was, you, you guys just had an unbelievable year that year, 35-4, and four, runner-up to Florida. I mean, that, that's the kind of luck I always had coaching. You know, Florida wins it in 06, and everybody comes back. Huh. Who does that anymore? Right? So we get them in 07 again, but um, you know, I, I, I think uh, you know, Greg was, he's, he's such a special person, but uh, you know, it's, it's like Mike Conley, I mean, knew how good Mike Conley was, and nobody would ever believe me. 
I remember when when they first got to Ohio State, Greg and Michael, um, one of my former players, they were playing open gym, comes in my office and goes, hey, that little guy that came with Odin, he's pretty good. And I'm like, I know. And um, you, know, you, you think about him being a point guard and as a freshman taking us to the national championship game. Um, you know, I... I you know, you, you had mentioned David West. David was, boy, was he a special uh, player just in terms of, of how competitive he was. You know, like in practice, he would not do a drill unless there was a winner or a loser. Huh. He, he, everything, there, there had to be competition. And, um, you know, I always said this about he and Jared Solinger. They were, they were probably the two most consistent players. I always knew I was going to get 20 and 12 from David. And the same thing from Jared. It was just, it was like clockwork. Cause you know, we went in at halftime and, and Jared had six points. I'm like, right, he's going to get, you know, 14 in the second half for yeah. sure. Because he just, he did. And David was the, the same way. And, and, uh, you know, Evan Turner's another one that, that just watching his progress for three years at Ohio State and, and how he developed. And, and, and I, I will say this, he did it through hard work. I mean, he would dedicate himself to the game and, and getting better. Um, you know, I will say one of the funnest players that I ever coached was D'Angelo Russell. Yes, I, I, I had to ask about him because I've got a friend who is a huge D'Lo fan. I, I tell you, he, he was fun to coach because you just never knew what he was going to do with the basketball. So even in practice, I mean, you know, he would make some plays and you're just like, wow. Yeah, he was he was good, but you know, like I said, I I could go on forever about players and and um, you know the guys. I mean, it's funny because um, you know a guy like Aaron Kraft, who was a, a just a you know played professionally. In fact, he just finished in Italy and and he's, he's going to retire and go to Ohio State uh, Medical School to become a doctor. But uh, you know, he was another one that was just so tenacious on defense. Four point. He was a academic All American all four years, and was the National Scholar Athlete of the Year senior year for men's basketball. I mean, just you know, I was I was very very lucky in, in who I was able to coach. Coach, and uh, as an IU fan growing up, I I can't tell you the amount of fits that I had over Aaron Kraft and Jared Solinger. <laughs> just Ohio State teams killing me, but uh, I, I'm gonna ask. What what were the some of the similarities that you had between the two thousand and six two thousand and seven Final Four team and the two thousand eleven twelve team that you had? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I always get asked that. Um, uh, the, the the team in oh seven um, was was so unbelievable. Like I remember driving home, you know, at night after practice and be like. Oh my gosh, I, I've never seen stuff like that. I mean, because, you know, not only Greg and Michael, but uh, you had a fellow hunter on that team who uh, played in the NBA and is still playing professionally overseas. He's one of the top overseas players in the country. You had Daquan Cook, who was also a freshman that was drafted 24. He didn't even start for us. And, um, hmm. um, but, you know, the, the 12 team was, I, I love that team because we had just had a unbelievable season the the year before i think we started like 24 and 0 that would have been jared and aaron's freshman year and john diebler and uh dallas lauderdale david lighty uh you know there's there's another name there david lighty of uh, he only won 137 games in his career at ohio state and um 
just just love that kid. Um, but you know, they were they were probably two completely different teams, just the way we played. And um, but man, were they were they fun to coach? They were great guys on the team. Everybody was was you know had bought into what we were trying to do, and it just it made winning even that much more fun being with those guys. Can you share with us some of your favorite memories uh, from Ohio State? Yeah, there, there's, there's so many I bet. spectacular I bet. <laughs> memories. But I think, you know, probably the, the, the one that sticks in my mind the most, and I'm, I'm actually saying my office, I got the picture, he's got the ball above his head, you know, he shoot it. But my first year at Ohio State, you know, when, when we took over there, nobody in 04, nobody ever remembers where that program was. Um, in, in terms of, you know, we were banned from postseason play, doc scholarships, doc recruiting days, doc official visits, all this stuff for, for a crime that we didn't commit. And, and we knew that going in. But, uh, you know, after I took the job, the athletic director, Andy Geyer, told me, says, Dad, if you win 10 games with, with this team, it'll be a miracle. That team ended up winning 20 games that year. And uh, the last game of the year, uh, regular season, we were playing number one in the country on the way. They were 29 and 0. And uh, they had beaten us pretty good in third place in the first Big Ten game of the year in early January. And we had uh, BJ Mullins, Daquan Cook, Greg Oden, Mike Conley were supposed to be there. David Light was coming to the game. It was a Sunday afternoon at, at 12 noon, CBS game. And I, I told the coach, I said, look, we can't get blown out with these guys in a tent. We got to keep it close. So, long story short, we open up. We're down fourteen to two, and it, it we were on the verge of it was going to be ugly. And somehow we just we kept rolling. We kept rolling. We we kept it close. And you know, second half we're we're down eight. We get it to four. Get, go back to six. So, long story short. With 12 seconds to go, 12.3 seconds to go, they miss. We get the rebound. We're down two. So my point guard, Brandon Fustium, is, is walking the ball up to four. Like there's, you know, 38 minutes left in the game. <laughs> so I sprint to half court. And I'm like, get over here, call a timeout. So there's there's 12.3 seconds to go. And I turned to my coaches, players sit down. And I said, look, what, what do you guys want to do? And they said, go down, load the dials. Go down, load the dials. Go down, load the dials. And I said... Do you really want to play these guys for five more minutes? I said, we're going for the win. So nice. drew a play up and uh, worked to perfection. Matt Sylvester hits the shot. Uh, we end up knocking off the number one team in the country, undefeated Illinois. And and the reason that was so important in year one was it, it set the tone. It, it gave us a belief. Uh, it gave the players a belief in, in who we were and what we were doing. And, you know, the, the funny thing is the next year – we go into the Big Ten, we're picked, I think, eighth or ninth, and we win it in year two. We, we win the hmm. Big Ten outright, and, and, um, uh, and then, you know, the next year we're playing for the national championship. And so, we, with that said, that was that was one of the, the great memories. You know, I, we had a game, uh, gosh, it would have been in 10-11, the year 10-11, where we're playing Wisconsin, last game of the year, senior day. And they had knocked us off up there in a real close game and there was something happened. I don't know what happened after the game but you know they, they rushed the floor and all this stuff so they came in and we beat Wisconsin by probably 30 and the, the funny thing is we missed our first three pointer 
and then made 14 straight. I mean, it's just one of those games where nothing could go wrong. <laughs> and, um, and and that was not the game where I dropped my gum either. That was in 07. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about that, Coach. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the great thing about that is, and I told this story before, um, for the listeners, uh, there was a part in the game where it was game really, really close. We ended up winning by one. But I was yelling, and my gum fell out of my mouth onto the floor. I did what everybody else would have done, bent over, picked it up, threw it back in my mouth. So after the <laughs> game, my, I, I, I think my dad was at the game. I called my mom. Um, I, think they, I think they were living in Hilton Head then. And I said, uh, she answers the phone. She goes, oh, my God, son. And I'm like, Mom, she goes, oh, my God, son. And I go, Mom, we won the game. We just won the Big Ten. And she goes, you dropped your gum and put it back in your mouth. And I swear to you, I had no idea what she was talking about. I bet you just have no, no remembrance of that. Yeah, so I get home. I said, did they show it on TV? And she goes, oh, about 100 times. I'm like, really? So we're having a huge party. <laughs> At my house, and all the coaches are coming over and all this stuff. And uh, so I get home and I turn on ESPN, and there I am. And they got the Telestrator, and they got like a, a second hand up there. And so they show the gum, they draw the gum coming out, they circle it, they show me pick it up, put it back in. They're like, "Look, it was under two seconds. He's fine." So the, the, the moral of the story, though, goes to the that game was on a Sunday. On Tuesday, this box. I can't even explain to you how big the box was. It was full of gum from the Wrigley's uh, Corporation, the president up in Chicago. And in there was this card. And I'm a, now a lifetime member to Wrigley. So anytime wow. I ever need gum, I just call <laughs> and, and they send gum. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how my life goes. <laughs> so, like, that's gotta be something to dream about you being all over Sports Center. Not, not for the Big Ten championship that you just won, but for the gym. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. When you search Thad Mata on Google, the second thing that comes up is uh, what happened to Thad Mata. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna ask, um, what happened to Thad Mata? You know, somebody asked me the other day, and they said, where have you been? <laughs> and I said, missing. Huh. <laughs> so, no, you know, honestly, I moved back to Indianapolis. I split time here in, in Marco Island, Florida. Um, you know, and, and, and honestly, just kind of been hanging out. And, and uh, you know, it, the one thing I found, and, and people probably all did the same thing in this pandemic, uh, you know, my wife brought up all just boxes and boxes of pictures of, you know, family pictures. And, and so they're going through them and, and I'm like, where am I in all these pictures? Huh. And I'm like, you, know, you, were, you were recruiting, you were going on a road trip, you were wherever. And, and you know, it kind of told me how much of, of like my kids' lives I missed. And, um, you know, from, from that perspective, you know, my, my youngest, when we moved back to Indy, she got to, she went to her buff for two years and had just a wonderful experience. And, uh, but I get to, I get to see her track meets for cross country meets. And, you know, those were things that, that I just never got to do when I was coaching. And, and, um, 
But yeah, just kind of hanging out and uh, enjoying retirement right now. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. And that's that's one of the things Coach Painter was talking about when we were talking to him on our podcast was like he said he's around other people's kids more than he's around his own kids and he's not proud of that um so um i'm I'm glad you're able to enjoy retirement uh a little more and um i'm just glad to hear that coach thank you thank you yeah it was it was a long run that's for sure i guess i'm glad you're enjoying retirement but i i gotta ask uh what what kind of an opportunity would it take for you to get back into coaching? It was, it's a great question. Um, and, and I have the last few springs messed with some jobs and, and, uh, um, you know, it, 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 I, I tell people it's gotta be the right situation for me. And I don't know what that is. My gut will tell me, um, in time if it's right. You know, it's, it's funny because uh, I've last few years sort of been the guy coaches call late at night and, and you know, I'm like a, a therapist for them. And, you know, guys will be like, you know, you're not going to believe what happened tonight. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it happened to me too. You know, like, well, this I'm like, yeah, it, it, stuff like that does happen. Yeah, you've been so, there. Yeah, it's it, uh, amazing. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the, the right situation is. And, and I think if the opportunity presents itself, um, as, as I have at some other places, I've, I've taken a really, really strong look and just didn't feel it was the, the right timing. And, you know, this spring with the pandemic, there wasn't a lot of jobs. And, um, but yeah, there's, there's no way I could have taken a job this spring, um, you know, and, not knowing when you're going to see your ever meet your players in person and, and that sort of thing. For sure. So we've got a few more, and then we've got our 60-second speed round that we always get to. Okay. But uh, I'll ask you, as a guy who's been in college basketball from 1985 to 2017, like what changes have you noticed, especially in recent years, to the college game? Well, obviously the transfer thing is, is something that is, is – just dramatically changed the game of college basketball. Um, you know, I, I, I think I always tell this to, to people of the top 50 greatest all time NBA players. How many of them do you think transferred in college? Hmm. One. And technically really? he didn't transfer. It was Larry, oh, Bird. Larry Bird. Yes. He quit IU, went home and Indiana state got him. So, Technically, I guess he would be a transfer, but and I say that from the standpoint of what what's changing now is if things don't go kids' way, they don't like like they just leave. As as opposed to, you know, you get your butt kicked as a freshman in practice every day. You go back and say, hey, I, I got to get better. I got to work harder. I got to find uh, things that I can do better to help this team to get on the floor. As opposed to, I'm just going to take my ball and go home, and I'll, I'll go somewhere else. Um, I think that's one of the, the, the you know, major, major things. I think the other thing is now with the, the social media, um, it, it just is, is in a lot of ways ruined um, – a lot of things about the purity of, of college athletics and, and um, you know, it just, it, it, at times I, I, I could see it just messing with players' minds and, and 
Um, you know, I'm not a social media guy and, and, you know, if the listeners had any idea how difficult this was for you and I to hook up to, to do this interview, <laughs> I don't know anything about technology. Um, but you know, those are, are the things that, that I think probably the two of the most dramatic, uh, things that have changed, um, you know, the, the, the realization uh, has been lost in terms of the, you know, parents thinking their son's an NBA player. You know, I'd have parents coming to my office going, my son's going to be an NBA player. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> Look at his body. Like, NBA players are, are different, man. I mean, they're they got long arms. they got, you know, they're, they're built differently. Uh, I remember the first time I ever sat down with David West, I couldn't stop looking at his hands. His, huh. his hands were huge and um you know so uh you know sometimes there's there's really nothing wrong with going to college getting a great education and, and playing a sport while you're there and then when it's over go on with life's good work your thoughts on uh, Jalen Green and Deshaun Nitz and a few other uh, highly touted recruits choosing to go through the NBA G League which is now an option yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny, uh, and, and, and that, to me, it would be the third change, because I think you're going to see that more and more, and, you know, quite honestly, I, I don't blame them, um, you know, if they got no interest in, in college, and, you know, they're they're that good that they can get themselves, because you can do the homework now, the research, I think, to find out, you know, what your chances are, and, um, you know, that's why I, I had a lot of one-and-dones, and, and, it, there was only one that I said, I, I don't, I, I never said it publicly, but to him, I said, you know, I think you need to come back. Um, hmm. But, you know, the, the thing about all athletes is their ticket is their body. And, hmm. you know, we, we all have a, a lifespan in, in terms of how long we can do something. And, uh, you know, the quicker they can get to it, uh, good for them. Coach, last thing is our 60 second speed round. And, um, you ready? I'm ready. All right, starting right now. Who was your favorite current NBA player? Favorite? Uh, I'm sorry, what was favorite current NBA player? Yep. LeBron James. LeBron James. Uh, favorite all-time NBA player? Larry Bird. Me too. Go-to pregame meal or snack? Um, go-to pregame meal? Uh, Jimmy John's sub. Nice. Favorite non-basketball sports team? Um, Indianapolis Colts. Favorite movie? One Florida Cuckoo's Nest. Favorite song artist growing up? Uh, U2. Hmm. Favorite Fav- song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Nice. Favorite non-basketball activity? Walking. Five seconds. Last question. If you could pick a superpower, anyone, what would it be? Read people's minds. Interesting. All right, Coach. Well, and I, I really just want to thank you for finding some time for us today. And because uh, I, I know you're spending time with family, and I'm, I'm, I'm just really uh, happy to have been able to talk to you today. No, this has been awesome, man. You're gonna do, you're gonna do very, very well in this profession. Thank you very much. I'm I'm just very glad I got the chance to talk to you. And uh, so thank you to our listeners. If you've made it this far, make sure to listen to all of our podcasts. 
and follow us at on Twitter at st squared two. You can get us on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, and more. I'm Andrew Willett, and today, Coach Thad Mata. That's st squared. Thank you.